Hello, and welcome to ECNM On Air, a podcast series from ECNM Magazine that shares industry intelligence, insights, and opinions on all topics electrical. I'm Ellen Parson, Editor-in-Chief of ECNM, and I'm here today with three students from Saugerties High School in New York State, and their instructor, high school counselor and master electrician, Mike Catalano, to talk about how they've worked with the Habitat for Humanity Partnership to perform all types of electrical installation work over the past year. ECNM On Air is one of the many new benefits available to our members only portal, which offers exclusive member benefits and premium content that's hand selected by our editorial team. If you're interested in finding out more, you can register on our website, ecmweb.com, in the drop down menu under premium content. And if you're listening on a podcast app, please check out our website for the links mentioned in this podcast. You can find it in the premium content area. Now I'm pleased to introduce our guests today, Jonathan, Dylan, Caitlin, and Mike. I'm gonna let them briefly introduce themselves. Mike, would you like to begin? Thank you, Ellen, for having us here today. My name is Mike Catalano. I'm a high school guidance counselor in upstate New York in a small town called Saugerties at Saugerties High School. I am a master electrician, been in the field since 1989. I do own my own business and uh, very enthusiastic in uh, mentoring these three young people on the Habitat for Humanity project. And Jonathan, I'll have you start introducing yourself. Hi, I'm Jonathan Toth. Uh, I'm 18 years old. I go to Saugerties New York High School. I attend a two-year program at Ulster Boces, New York. Hopefully after school, I can become an apprentice under somebody to further my knowledge on electrical. Hi, my name is Dylan Senor. I'm 18 years old. I am attending BOCES. This is my second year. And um, in the future, I might be attending college to further my knowledge. Hi, I'm Caitlin Lennon. I am 17 years old. I am in Ulster BOCES for electrical construction and maintenance. And uh, after high school, I plan on furthering my knowledge underneath an apprenticeship. So now that we know a little more about our guests, let's jump right into some questions and get started. I'm gonna start with Mike, uh, the counselor and the instructor, head of the program. Um, if you could tell our readers a little bit about the Ulster BOCES program, your school and how this program works within the overall curriculum and the community, how it got started, just kind of an overview of the training uh, that goes on for these students. BOCES, Ulster BOCES, Ulster is the county that we reside in. And BOCES refers to Boards of Cooperative Educational Services. And what that really means is the state of New York recognized the need for young people to, you know, to educate them in different trades, electrical being one of the many. And so what happens is a lot of these schools don't have the, the funds uh, to run these programs. So they all chip in. So BOCES is a facility that's centralized in the county where schools, we have, I believe nine in the county, uh, high schools, we will bus our students to that location and they will learn things like electrical technology, welding, automotive, cosmetology and so forth. So that's how BOCES came about, the need because uh, schools cannot afford to pull off these programs on their own. So the cost was the driving force. And as far as my involvement in Habitat for Humanity um, and how these 
kids got involved on the first day of, you know, even as a younger person, I've always wanted to be involved with Habitat for Humanity, but I'm like, geez, I hope they come to my community or they're a little bit closer to me. So it just so happened the stars aligned and Habitat for Humanity came to Saugerties. And so I felt compelled to jump right in as a helper. So I filled out, you know, the paperwork, uh, took care of the OSHA requirement. And I went in as a helper. And uh, on day one, I was extremely eager to get going. And I was waiting for the master electrician to show up. And unbeknownst to me, he never showed up. And, uh, you know, I received word, you know, very shortly thereafter that uh, he was too busy with his own work. And everyone knows who's listened to this podcast, there's not enough electricians out there. And so he was extremely busy. And I was asked, would, would I be willing to lead? And I enthusiastically said, absolutely, I'll, let's do it. Uh, soon after I had this notion, probably within five minutes of thought, I'm like, why don't I get these kids involved? You know, I've wired many buildings in my life and it would be great to just share that knowledge with them. So that moved me into communicating with the electrical instructor at BOCES, at Ulster BOCES. And I wanted to ask his permission if we could have the kids come to Habitat for Humanity, any of those uh, kids who would be interested in taking their theory and putting it into practice and also giving back to the community. And uh, he was extremely kind and he said, absolutely, whatever we can do to make this happen. And uh, so that's basically how it got started. And now we are three builds completed. Uh, three houses have been completely wired, um, you know, from primary voltage to transformer to secondary, load center, branch circuits, you name it. I mean, these, these kids have done everything. We've even dealt with low voltage controls. Um, so basically it's been a joy to take it from start to finish and to have our young people who are going to be carrying the torch when many of us are retired. So that's how it got going. That's wonderful. Like, so how many years, how long ago did this start? You said you've done three homes so far? Yes, we've done about one home per year. Okay. Um, on average, and uh, the Habitat for Humanity organization has recently decided uh, that they were going to invest and buy three more lots in the same development, because all these three houses are right next to each other. The development is like 90 parcels of land. So we are jumping from three to six. So we'll continue this on for the next several years. That's wonderful. I, I have to kind of just interject. It, it seems to me like I've read a lot about these programs and different things that, you know, students get to participate somewhat, but it sounds like they are really doing this work. Like, I think that has to be unique in the fact that they're actually doing all of these things you just mentioned, which is really amazing. They have done everything. It's been, you know, when we first started this and the kids can attest to this, we walked in with absolutely no schematic at all. I mean, we, there was a lot of obstacles that we had to deal with, but we rolled up our sleeves and we worked together and they did everything. They pulled cable, we were in the trench, you know, three feet in the ground, a running primary. Literally everything you can think about, all the steps, even, you know, what, what gauge cable to use and dealing with ampacity factors and ambient temperature, 
Um, I'm always pushing the kids to really think about the science that goes into it and the safety component and to have good workmanship. But they, they, I give these kids an A++. They really okay. have really worked hard. That's incredible. Uh, let's uh, go ahead and turn to the students now. I had a few questions just to get an idea of how you participated in the program. So could anyone speak on uh, how you initially got interested in this program? Um, and what your experience has been like so far. When I was in like eighth, eighth or ninth grade, there was this teacher, she was like a science teacher. And we always did like these experiments on like how to like make something work. And so we did this experiment with a battery and copper wire and we made like a light uh, go off. Uh -huh. And it really fascinated me how that worked. And I really enjoyed doing that. And so after that, I, uh, was introduced to ulcer boses and I was talking to Dr. Catalano about it and he showed me that they had an electrical program and it made me really interested in like furthering my knowledge on that specific program. It made me really excited to actually go out and learn that. When I had the opportunity to do the habitat because the first year I wasn't able to do it because I had like work and I had to help my parents out and the second year I was able to actually go and do it and it really helped me learn more hands-on because I'm like a hands-on learner. Like I can't sit down and enjoy a book. I uh, have to do it myself to actually learn it. Mm -hmm. So a lot to actually go in there and like learn hands-on. And Dr. Catalano helped us out a lot by like teaching us and instructing us and all that. That's great. Does anyone else have any thoughts on that? So what, influenced me to pursue a hands-on career was not only that I I was very in touch with my dad when it comes to like hands-on I was very there with him helping him with anything it could have been cars it could have been electrical related it could have been anything related but what pursued me to do electrical was I had a teacher his name was Mr. Christensen and he was a master electrician and he was talking about how it's a really good career path and he knew he was him and I were close and he would talk to me about his other job and then my BOCES teacher Mr. Jones he told me at the beginning of last year that what the one thing he said that really made me more interested in it was that he said that now with technology nowadays, there's no job that doesn't involve electric, like electricity, doesn't involve electricity. Every job that is used nowadays involves electricity. So that made me even more interested in it. But I just like the science behind it. I like, you know, having to think about it and sit back and like actually analyze what is going on and the safety precautions that you have to think about while you're wiring up a house. Um, what about some specific electrical skills? Does anyone, I know um, Mike talked about all the wealth of skills you guys have learned, but are there anything in particular um, that you've learned that maybe were more challenging or how you put some of those skills into practice in a hands-on way? Jonathan was talking about that, the hands-on, uh, he likes that. So what kinds of skills have you developed that you've learned in this program that have really stuck out to you? Uh, I would say the panel. Doing the panel was really fascinating because it like 
that like doing the panel runs all the electric to the whole house. The panel is like the main core of the whole building. Without the panel, there wouldn't be any electric to any part of the house or the building. So learning the panel was so like really fascinating to me because like I had to work with other people. Like I worked with Caitlin by hanging the panel. I worked with Mr. Ca Dr. Catalano about uh, where to wire and stuff. He like, he taught me everything. He showed me everything. They labeled everything for me. So I know where to put it. Then after that, we had to run some extra wires, which was really cool and all that. And uh, that's about it. I really enjoyed doing the panel. One of the nice things about the hands-on experience in the house was most of the time I was in the ceiling having to run wires all around the house. And it was like a really tight space in some spots. And just having to stand in a ceiling going from beam to beam is interesting. It's one in a lifetime experience. Okay, how... Um, along those same lines, how important was it for you all to be able to take the theory that you learned in the classroom and then apply it on a real job site? And Mike, you might be able to jump in, like how, just how much, um, you know, classroom work was there compared to the, it sounds like, you know, this was a real job site. So yeah. how much classroom time was there compared to, you know, on hands-on, on the job work and then learning this kind of theory? Yeah, I'll, I'll jump in just for a second uh, to get these guys thinking a little bit. One of my main one of my main focuses in this whole project was not just to uh, help Habitat for Humanity, which we love to do, uh, but I'm like, wouldn't it be really neat for these kids to just get out of the classroom? They've learned great theory, but it was a very controlled environment in a conventional school setting. And let's get these young people on a real job, like really pulling cable for someone's home um, and stapling and tacking and, you know, and, and just physically becoming active outside of the conventional class. And so the big question is to you guys, how important was it for you to have this exposure to be able to really get out there versus if you never had that exposure? It was cool to be out there because it's more hands-on and it's more out in the real world than it is in the building at BOCES. A lot of stuff that we brought over from BOCES was like, at BOCES we learned how to wire outlets, switches and all that. So we were able to bring that over, hang boxes. Because of working on the Habitat House, it made me more confident working in BOCES. Like BOCES is more like, with devices and etc putting in devices and when you go into a house and you're running wire and everything it is a different experience because you have to like like not only do you have to think about how how to like wire these devices but you have to like think about measurements when it comes to like how long do i need this cable from the box to well the panel to the one room or so on. And with BOCES, it helped me learn how to wire these devices. But when it comes to the Habitat House, it taught me how to take that knowledge of the devices and put it into the real world. Right, that makes sense. How did you, um, so I guess my question is, how did you learn it was it 
consecutive, you would learn certain things and then you would go put those into practice uh, in the house or would, did you basically learn everything about the theory first and then you were able to complete all these different tasks? How does that, how did that work? Um, at BOCES, we were able to like get the knowledge of the books and then we were able to go into the room and like actually like hands-on do it. Like he would have like a bill, like a uh, little board and he would like have his project there and he would show us how to do it. Uh, he would try to tell us how to keep it neat, um, how to get it all good. And then when we went to the habitat, we were all prepared for it because we already do hands-on learning at BOCES. So we were all able to uh, make it clean, make it neat, uh, keep it organized. And that's pretty much everything. So you were able to practice it beforehand. And then when, it, when you actually went to the habitat, it was actually doing it like real professionals. Yes. What was the biggest challenge you faced while working on the project? If you think back, what was what was the most challenging thing and how did you uh, handle that? I think the biggest challenge that we had at the house was not having a some, uh, schematic on the actual wiring of the building. Um, we had to pretty much have to have Mr. Conolano guide us on what wire had to go what room and I think what I'm really trying to get at is having a schematic there is one of the things that's needed for a job. I'm sure uh, when you're out in the real world that happens as well Mike can probably attest to that. Um, you don't always have the right plans you don't always have the right things and you have to just think on your feet and determine what to do and that's a great experience that you all are able to do that. It's like I'm talking to real professionals, which is really inspiring. I'm, I'm really proud of you all. Caitlin, I'm sorry, did you wanna say some, jump in and say something? Yeah, um, not only not having the schematic was hard, but when we were working on the One Habitat house, it was in the winter and it is a lot harder when the weather is colder because then your hands start to like stiffen up. It's very hard with the weather, but you know, we have like, uh, we have the little, um, the little hand warmers we had those. and we had one of those, uh, those heaters, the propane heaters, which kept us very warm. Um, I was definitely one of the, that was definitely one of my struggles was keeping my hands warm while trying to put in devices or run wire, because as we ran wire, the hole started to get tighter that were in the beams and everything so you gotta it, it took a lot of uh, upper body strength and you know you need your hands for that the uh one of the other challenges that we also faced was a uh a, i think it was the range wire uh we had one of the foremans uh got the wrong wage range wire on accident because we, we didn't have the schematics as you know so we had to pull that all the way out and then run a whole new one and it was really challenging because Dylan was like the only one that could actually fit up there on the beam, uh, the beams and actually run the wire. It sounds like you definitely are facing real world, real world challenges. So that kind of leads me into the next um, kind of question I was wanting to get at is um, how has this experience prepared you to work with other trades and professional people in the electrical field, not just electrical, but were you, did you come into contact with any of the other trades or did you go in and do your work uh, separately and, and had no interaction with them? Um, I think the one day that we were there, there was a, uh, 
a guy that was doing like the water system or the heating system, I think. And we were able to uh, work around him and he was able to work around us. And if he needed us, we were there for him. And if he needed, if we needed him, he would help us. But we were all able to work as a team and like work around one another and get the goal done. Okay, let's, um, I kind of like to move into, um, we all know, or everyone has known by now that there is a skilled labor shortage as Mike was talking about. We don't have enough electrical professionals in all of these different roles to satisfy the demand that we need. So electrical contractors and engineering firms are competing uh, in the same pool of with very limited applicants. So just as the younger generation, I was interested in finding out what types of factors do you think will be the most important to you or people your age when you're choosing a job or an employer as a young adult? Once you're finished with your training, what kinds of things will be important to you when you're looking for a job? Because that's what we need to pay attention to when we're trying to get more people to get into this field. Because it kind of seems like, I, I don't know, when I was growing up, Mike, you might be able to jump in here. I, it seems like you know, salary and compensation was kind of the driving force behind things when, you know, your parents would talk about what you want to be and what, what you're going to do. And that was always, you know, one of the main things is, you know, what does it pay? What kind of income are you going to make? And now I feel like, um, you know, there are other things that are becoming more important. Maybe it's flexibility, maybe it's, um, you know, the hours paying for, for people to go back to school. Maybe it's, um, you know, some it just depends on the environment, but it seems like there are a lot of new factors coming up that are more important than strictly compensation. Yeah, I think working conditions is a, a big one. Uh, also, you know, folks are looking for like uh, an organization that's going to be very family oriented uh, to have that connection. And also that gives them educational opportunities to grow their skill set. But as far as that uh, camaraderie and growing together and sharpening each other, I think is, a, is a, a, a big thing. And, you know, the other thing that comes to my mind is, you know, a company that offers a lot of different skill sets. It's not just one dimensional where kids, young people can go into, let's say, residential and maybe uh, work their way to industrial or it could be motor control, something that is very eclectic. It's not just one dimensional. That's a great point. And just programs like yours um, to the students, um, how do you think, um, you know, other schools or other programs can help recruit people like you to get interested into this industry? Because we definitely have a shortage of skilled workers. How, how do we get more people to be attracted to this profession? You know, that's a great, great question. I'm extremely happy that you asked me that question. I think it really starts with leadership, with, with, um, with having them look at the whole issue again and looking at the issue from multiple lenses. I think a lot of uh, leaders, the mental model is that some of these programs are not as worthy as other programs. Um, so I think education is the key. I'm extremely, I feel extremely blessed that the leadership here at Saugerty Central Schools uh, are just top shelf when it comes to supporting things like this. Uh, Mr. Reinhardt, our superintendent, uh, Mr. Ersig, uh, human resource uh, person, 
Mr. Reed, our high school principal, Mr. Jones, the BOCES uh, electrical instructor, uh, we are all on the same wavelength and uh, everyone listening who are electricians know what the importance of having good frequency and a nice clean sine wave. That's how it's running here. The sine wave is clean as can be and we're doing some good things. So it's imperative that we always try to look at how do we make things better and what is supply and demand in societies? What do they need? The reality is that a lot of two-year programs are these young people are making more than the conventional four-year program track. So not saying one's better than the other, but we need to, one, one you know, it makes me think of one size doesn't fit all. But as everyone knows, uh, electrical technology, folks are retiring at such staggering numbers that if we don't do something, our infrastructure is going to constantly have a problem. But getting back to the main question, I think education is key and the leadership need to be united. That sine wave needs to be nice and clean so we can get movement. We're hoping that what we're doing will be contagious to other schools. And I'm trying to do everything I can along with the leadership to communicate with other schools to consider partnering um, with Habitat and there can be other projects that can be done as well. We can think out of the box and try to, you know, promote. Um, but without good leadership or without leadership supporting this cause, you're not going to get too far. And the reality is educators have a huge imprint on if a student pushes in one direction or another. If students are associating you know, the adults don't see a lot of value in this. And if I pursue that, you know, that's going to make me feel like I'm not as smart as everyone. All these kind of feelings and thoughts start to permeate and it's not healthy. So if we can sell things that everything, regardless of whatever vocation someone picks, they want to be a nurse, that's wonderful. If they want to be a doctor in medicine, that's great. If they want to be an electrician, that's great too. If we, if we promote everything on an equal playing field and don't put anyone down if they choose one or the other, I think that mental model needs to shift in that direction. I think when that happens, we're gonna see more people embrace the electrical trade and uh, more programs are gonna open up in that venue. But we do, I'll, I'll be honest with the audience here, we, we have a lot of work to do. We definitely have a lot of work to do, but. Again, I'm inspired that the leadership within my district and the Board of Education has been on board too. I mean, it has, that sine wave as clean as can be and I wanna keep it that way. So I am along with other folks are trying to keep that relationship moving on and we're extremely happy that Habitat is staying within our community for three more builds and we're gonna look at different ways to keep that momentum going. That is such great insight. Thank you for that. I hope everyone's listening to this because it does, it just exemplifies that, you know, this is obviously a stellar program and people, you know, need to be doing more things like that. It's going to take education and the people in the field. It can't just be done one without the other in order to make things like this happen. So um, it's a lot of work, I'm sure it, it, you know, but the results that you've gotten have been phenomenal and it's just so inspiring to see. Um, Wrapping up, I kind of like to just talk about the Habitat for Humanity, how it felt, how the kids felt um, giving back to their community, and how did it feel to help a family in need 
get their first home because that was, you know, that's been a big part of this as well. You're using all your skills, but you're also really helping people who need it. Uh, it was good to go out there and help somebody that, you know, that really needed to be helped. And it was a great experience to be able to go there and do what we did for that family. I'm sure they were very appreciative. Did, did you all get to meet the family or no? Everyone will get a chance to meet the family um, in a few weeks, probably about three or four weeks. They're just wrapping up uh, the build for house three. So I guess in closing, um, it's always kind of nice to get advice from, from everyone. So in your experience here, what was, can you think of something that was a memorable, memorable piece of advice or maybe the best advice you've ever been told um, as far as this program goes or the electrical industry? It could be from your teacher. Um, it could be from anyone. What kind of advice uh, would you like to share with the audience that you, you learned over the course of this experience? There's always a solution that you come across. Every, every problem you come across has a solution. And don't give up until you find it. Yes. Advice that I got that helped me, because being a girl in a field like this is very challenging. There's a lot of people out there that aren't acceptive, and there are people that are. And, you know, my dad has helped me a lot through my whole journey of being very hands-on and he always told me like not to give up I know that sounds very cliche but as a girl going into a field it it takes a lot it takes a lot on a toll mentally physically and so on it has a big toll everywhere but you know just the simple words as not to give up and don't let people drag me down help me push harder to prove people that I have this knowledge, this gift to know and understand how to wire up a house is what pursued me to continue to not give up. That's amazing. I've talked with um, my last podcast, one of them was women in engineering and just, um, you know, it is, a, it is an issue. Um, you know, it is a male dominated industry. So females trying to involved in the electrical industry have had different experiences and I'm sure you know females do face different challenges than males do so it's nice to be able to hear that perspective from you and if you just you know keep at it and you keep going for what you want you know you can make it happen anyone else have any more advice for uh, or just memorable pieces of advice that you learned throughout the program I think the biggest thing is like John said never give up always look ahead don't look back I just wanted to add something in reference to all the trades people who are listening to this podcast is to consider volunteering. I know that most folks are very, very busy, uh, you know, just keeping up with their work and their responsibilities, but uh, it is contagious when you give back in, in the sense of like organizations like Habitat for Humanity. It is just such a great experience to see the outpouring of love and support and our, our communities absolutely need it. So I would love to see more tradespeople, plural, even outside the electrical industry, uh, just give a little bit of their time, even if it's a day. So, you know, if you can consider it, that would be great. And I just want to thank everyone for sharing your experiences with us today. Um, it's been very inspiring for me. I feel, I feel hopeful uh, about the future with, you know, after talking to people like you and 
um, you know, it, it makes me hopeful that things are going to always be bright. So it looks like we're about out of time. So I wanted to thank our students so much for sharing their insight and experiences with us today. In closing, I'd also like to thank Associate Editor Ellie Coggins for editing and putting these podcasts together, making this valuable information available to all of our readers. For more information, visit our website at ecmweb.com. This podcast is produced by ECNM Magazine, part of the portfolio of Endeavor Business Media Publications. Well, I think that's it for now. I'm Ellen Parsons signing off of ECNM On Air. Please let me know if you have any podcast topics you'd like to listen to in the future. And don't forget to check out the members only portal on our website for more podcasts and other content resources for electrical construction professionals. Thanks and have a great day.